a term coined in the late 1950s to describe the advertising executives of Madison Avenue. They coined it. Should be organized, but it's not. Welcome to They Coined It, New Year's Eve style. Happy New Year, everybody. Is it New Year or New Year's? Well, it's New it's New Year's Eve. Right. It's the eve of the new year. So it's New Year, parentheses, parentheses. Parentheses, apostrophe. Apostrophe S. But is it, what are you doing for New Year's? Isn't that what people say? What are you doing New Year's? I'm going to look. I'm Googling. New Year's Eve. Didn't we talk about this song on a podcast where Pretty I sure we didn't. didn't know the You name? imagine that. Did Your I Your other Mad Men podcast, I think you talked about that. We didn't. Definitely not. All right. Worst start to a podcast ever. <laughs> no, I remember what we talked this about. Blows. It's... <laughs> No, I remember we talked about I'll Take Manhattan, which is actually just called Manhattan. And I just in my brain, I went, didn't we talk about the fact that I think this is called What Are We Doing New Year's Eve? But it's actually called New Year's Eve. And that That is a long way to to go to be wrong. I'll tell you that. (laughs) But that's how my brain, like that was such a creepy window into my. All right. So here's my question for you, Dan Mm -hmm. Jasper. This has been the holiday the holiday questions. What do you normally do, do normally, and what are you doing this year? We we used to go out when the kids were little. We would go to friends' houses and do a whole – we would even do like a you know, a, a 10 p.m. Uh, countdown for the kids when they were really little and, and clean up and then Aww. hang out till midnight and, and, and slap the kids in the car back home. And then that kind of evolved as the kids got older where it would just kind of become – we'd go over their house and hang out because they like to entertain – but nobody really had any interest in staying up till midnight. Even the kids were just like, let's just go home. Now, leaving the last few years, the kids don't even want to go. We'll go to dinner with our friends, say goodnight at 930 and go, <laughs> go home. So really, we've been preparing for the pandemic for many years. Yeah, that's good. For, good. For, uh, for as far as New Year's concerned. How about you? The last several years, I haven't had much of a routine. Sometimes I, I do nothing. Um, sometimes I go to the piano bar. Marie's mm-hmm. crisis. Um, it's also partly I've talked about my back on here, but I don't get into that. It's it's been serious. It's been a mobility issue for me for the uh, six years now. It's in progress. I'm getting better, but it has it has kept me a little bit more housebound. So I've also been <laughs> preparing for this pandemic. <laughs> I remember exactly. over the years, I I've had great traditions and been part of great traditions. In fact, Dan, you might remember I used to have an annual. New Year's Day party. I did it a few years in a row, and you came one year with little Leo. <laughs> that was New Year's Day? Yeah, that was a New Year's Day party in my old place in Bloomfield. No, not Bloomfield. I'm sorry, Little Falls. That's right. That was New Year's Day. The premise of the party was based on a party I used to go to years years and years before that, which was huge. It was this annual New Year's Day party that was like hundreds of people in and out. And it was like a friend of my dad's and we right. would all go. And that was like, it started with bagels and it went through to the jazz dinner and then went late at night. And, you know, you could pick your time slot, just show up and, and be there. And I sort Open of was house. trying to create that, but I never, I never had more than seven people in my place at one time, you uh-huh. know? But we did. I came over, we talked about the show because you guys had just started the blog. Yep. And that was, uh, that was awesome. I and Leo that. was I, really Leo little. Leo had to have been three or four because I remember he brought his trains. Oh, so cute. He used to have his little <laughs> Thomas trains that anywhere we would go, public or private venue, 
he would set up his trains. And that's how you knew he'd be good for the next 90 minutes was his little wooden train tracks. He was adorable. He was adorable. Now he's 6'1", and he punches me in the shoulder when he... <laughs> When he, you know, he down punches me in the shoulder whenever we <laughs> I walk by him. Uh, they grow somehow. Somehow they grow. So this year, so this year, nothing. Like this year, literally nothing. Like I might make some artichokes. I don't know. Let me tell you when the party's going to be this year for me. January twentieth. <laughs> exactly. I think there'll be a big party. Absolutely, a big distanced party. Yeah. I feel like twenty twenty one is going to be like a big exhale. Mm. I, that's the hope. Anything could fuck this up, but I sure. really think that the hope is between new administration, a vaccine in our arms, it's going to take most of the year to crawl out of this ditch that we're in. Every week, as, as things have kind of descended with the news and the headlines and the, oh my God, and did you see that? Hopefully, the hope is that we just have a little bit incremental good news week by week, month by month. And that by, you know, whatever it is, May, June, July, August, that we just see things starting to to, to recoup. That's our hope. That's our prayer. Ah. Dan, before we get mm -hmm. to our countdown, and we are getting to the countdown, I watched two films, two Christmas films that you would have given me so much shit for having oh. never seen. Let's hear it. Scrooged. Okay. And Elf. I think they're both in the canon. Both fine films. I, I, how I felt about Scrooged was it, it's very dated in the kind of humor. And had it been my favorite film at one time, I might still want to watch it every year. But coming into it fresh, I'm glad I saw it. I'm glad I enjoyed it. There's so much that's great about it. It's what, certainly- What year was it? Was it 90? 80. Uh, it was 87, 88, 89. One oh, of those. Oh, that early. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's very violent. The humor is violent. Carol Kane is beating him up. She's brilliant, but she's punching on him the whole time and knocking him out. And at the end, you've got Bobcat Goldweight, however the fuck you say his name, Wait. with a gun in the, on the redemption end of things. So it's like... Who's Carol Kane? In the movie? Yeah. Oh, that's a character's name? Carol Kane, the actor? Car I don't know who that is. Oh, my God. Hold on. Okay, now we can get you, buddy. I'm supposed to know who Carol Kane is. She's the in the Princess Wide in the Princess Bride. She's Billy Crystal's wife. She was Latka Gravis's wife on Taxi. I'm embarrassed that I'm only naming wives because she's done so much more than that, and some of it's not coming okay, to me. Okay, yeah, I recognize her. Okay, she's Carol Kane. She's a fucking okay. legend. All right, all right. Sorry, I didn't know her by name. Wow. So, Yeesh. um, but Elf was very charming. <laughs> Will Ferrell Will Ferrell is a dynamo, right? And I think James Caan is it's one of his oh. best too. Oh, it's, it's great. Really it was good. really, really great. I it isn't it takes a lot for me to actually laugh out loud. I actually laughed out loud in the revolving door right. scene. <laughs> yeah. I I LOL'd. No, that's a that's a terrific one. I love I think Will Ferrell and that kind of typecast thing that he does, you know, it's kind of the same kind of character or over the top like he, I love that he's kind of taken it down a notch in the past couple of years. Like he's not doing three movies a year anymore, and that's good. He can, he can. That character can last him thirty years. That whole persona, if he'll just do a movie every like thirty six months, and just not wear it out. But like if he does that, I will look forward to it every time. But if he does nine of them in three years, I'm kind of like, all right, we have we've had enough. When you, well, I haven't seen most of them, and when you've only seen previews and clips of Elf. You you think that the you think it's one joke, 
because the right. clips are all and the gifts, it's all the same joke. But it has so much heart. It has all And the, I love I love movies like that, right? Everything yeah. came back around. The the yep. the the singing and the like everything, right? Everything comes back around to a a, a Christmassy satisfying um ending. And on that note, oh, what'd you watch? So we watched Knives Out, which is what I took my daughter to see a year ago when, you know, you could sit in the theater and was it a year ago or two years? I think it was a year ago that movie came out. I think out. it was a year ago. I watched it this year newly on on the Prime, I think. So yeah. Well oh, God, it was good. It's a really good movie. It's a, it's a fun movie. Uh, we had a lot of fun seeing it. And that was probably – we definitely saw it last Christmas. It might have been the last movie I've seen in the theaters. I'm not sure. So it's pretty close. It's a lot of fun to watch. Jamie Lee Curtis is really great. Don Johnson's really great. <laughs> um, and uh, Anna DeArmas, who – here's the thing. I said, to, I said to my daughter, oh, she's dating Ben Affleck now. And what did my daughter say, you think? Who's Ben Who's Affleck? Who's Ben Affleck? <laughs> Yay old. <laughs> right. I'm like, Christ, That's really? That's fucking funny. <sighs> well, I used to date J-Lo. Oh, J-Lo? Is she 50? Any other I Christmas do, viewing? No, nothing. It what? was such a great, quiet, nothing <laughs> day. I just, I, I loved, I loved having zero to do. We have an awesome show today. We're going to do something a little different. We're going to do an old-fashioned New Year's Eve countdown. countdown. That's right. We're going to count them down, baby. 10 to 1, best scenes in Mad Men. Now, this is spoilery, so if your tender ears can't handle anything past where we're at in the show, go flick on them, This American Life or something. It's big spoilery. It is totally it, – it's no regard to spoilers. That's the that's the idea. Just to be clear. like, ba- like We're hanging out. Yeah. There's also no – there's no science behind this. The algorithm. No there's no methodology. Right. We just we're thinking of stuff. Guess what? It's a little it's a little season one, two, three heavy because that's what we remember best because we've seen them more. It's an off the cuff top ten list, boys. You go you go for it. Dig in. You don't like what we what we suggest? Come up with others. Uh, hit us up on social media with with your top ten. Well, we this is our top ten. And uh, if you want to do your own top ten, start a podcast. It's start awesome. a podcast. <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> the airwaves are open. Just don't ask us to edit it. Number 10. Number 10. Starting with From the Wheel, side Betty outside the bank. Glenn is in the car. I'm so sad. I don't know what 10 minutes or 20 minutes is. <laughs> like everything about Betty in that incredible coat, Betty confiding in an, a literal child. But, you know, this also puts like a capper. This almost validates their relationship, this conversation, right? Because you've got this whole inappropriateness with the hair and the, him coming into the bathroom and that wacky earlier in the season way that they kind of get things off. <laughs> You're nagging on their meat cute? <laughs> <laughs> but when she does this and she comes over totally unsolicited because she sees him in the car and he's obviously there waiting for his mom to come out of the bank, it kind of validates the relationship, doesn't it? At least her emotional side of it. I think for her, there is a validation process that's going on here. I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. Listeners, my head is tilted so far. It's it's, it's like a dog that's heard a weird strange. sound. <laughs> it's yeah. exactly what's happening. I'm kind of looking up into the air like, is it though? But I mean, I'm, I'm just questioning it. <laughs> I think this provides a little bit of emotional validity to how Betty feels. 
for Betty. To her, in her world, in her thought process, this helps. It underlines the fact that there is a connection there between these two. And we will see, in the interest of spoilers, that there is indeed a connection there. Weird, twisted though it may be, there is a connection. I think it's a connection that got created. I mean, okay. I, I, I think I have nothing else to say about that. that. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, not four hours later, number nine. Right? <laughs> Please tell me I'll be okay. I don't know. I wish I was older. Well, adults don't know anything, Glenn. Number nine, Dan. I love in the gold violin when they break in to Cooper's office to see the Rothko. I think that is, it is, <laughs> we're going to talk about this on the upcoming episode for Gold Violin. We touch on it, but um, it is such a, it's such a great little caper moment. And we see a little bit of, uh, you know, it's our first real scene with Jane Siegel. So we get a little of her and I don't know, just that idea of setting it up beyond the characters involved and beyond all of that, just this idea of the boss has this really far out painting hmm. and we got, I, everyone's talking about it and it's the scuttlebutt of the office. Let's just go in and see it. And Jane Siegel kind of marches them <laughs> to, to, to Cooper's office to do it. It's a really fun scene and it was way more fun than I remembered when I watched it again. So keep an eye out for that. Yeah. You know, it makes me think as, as you're talking about it, like, there, we could break this down by we could do top 10 of different categories of scenes because mm -hmm. there are some that are just, you know, emotional or, or emotionally weird or great conversations. Like I could list 10 conversations just between Don and Roger. Right. That's right. And then there are the ones um, and we've talked about this, this is something Matt Weiner always has said. You never know where Mad Men's going to take you. And even <laughs> and even exactly. though even though the breaking into the Rothko is is within the walls of Sterling Cooper, it is a surprising. Oh, there was no lead up, no anything. I right? mean, it's like, right. Like you said, like suddenly it's a caper mm -hmm. and suddenly you're and then suddenly you're looking at art. That's right. Like it's and a they're whole, all in on it. It's a whole yeah. surprise. Yeah. yeah. And then once we get in, then there's the, everyone's reaction to it. And everyone kind of has a different take on it. And that's a whole nother, you know, trampoline moment into the into the episode that that that's also totally fantastic to watch. But just that idea of we're gonna go do it and then we go do it and we go in there with them and we hear their reactions and you know, Harry Crane's looking for a brochure and <laughs> and, and, and Sal and everybody kind of look looks at it differently. So much fun, so much <clears throat> enjoyable. And that's that's the thing is is these these writers were able to write scenes that were just fun to watch. Mm. Yeah. So breaking in to see the Rothko. Number eight, Roberta. So speaking of emotional scenes, the suitcase. This is a, an overall emotional episode. The big kind of breaking moment, which is Don and Peggy have their fight. You know, she's just saying, and I'm not going to quote everything correctly, but you never thank me. And, you know, the great line, the famous line is, that's what the money is for. She's really saying something and she's really saying something about here's what doesn't work in our relationship. And he's refusing to have that conversation. And well, he's, what hiding he's, behind, he's hiding behind the industry. Yeah, he's hiding behind There's the no industry. There's no credits on commercials. He Everything says, right? he's saying is correct. You're two years in and you're looking for 
credits. I, you know, he doesn't say I worked my way up, but it's right there. Like it's obviously he knows of what he speaks about where you should be at it two years. And he's invalidating her lived experience, which is that they share something special. A, that's A, that's one thing she's, yeah, that's there. And, and the other thing that's, that's there, that's unsaid, of course, is that everything about her experience as that junior person is such a fight compared to the men. The invisible backpack that's on her back as she climbs the mountain with the guys that nobody acknowledges. Right. So she's got the two things. She's got on the on the one side that weight on her back and on the other side this special precious relationship with Don Draper that insists on being unacknowledged. And both of those things have her feeling like, what but pay attention and thank me. What she's actually asking for is unreasonable, but there's all that context. And so he's only answering the the reason, the reasonable. As if any writer on the floor had walked into his office and said, I want I want credit. And he'd be like, get the hell out of my office. Exactly. Why are you even talking about this? That's how he treats her. He's not acknowledging the depth of their relationship. That's what's convenient because She's saying that you already ruined my night. You ruined my birthday. I broke up with my boyfriend. I've got all this shit I'm dealing with. You're making it worse. And it's really when the gloves come off, I think, in their relationship to where she can come out and go, you had to hire that idiot because of being drunk and this is all your fault to begin with. And now we're in this situation and we're I'm, I'm, kept, I'm rescuing out of your creative ditch. That's even another reason you should thank me. And you know what she doesn't realize is she's talking to a guy who grew up in a whorehouse where no one says thank you. That's what the money That's is what for. That's what is the for. entire relationship is based on is is the, the money on the dresser. Thank you. We don't have to talk about this. Peggy's never going to get what she wants in that way, but she doesn't know that yet. And um, that's what makes it so fascinating. Number seven. When Lane fires everyone and shut the door, have a seat. You know, they're trying to rescue this, their their little pod, their little existence out of the McCann purchase. And it kind of hits Don in this flash of inspiration of like, wait a minute, you can fire us, right? And if you fire us, we can start our own thing and we have to steal all this stuff. And if we do that, we have three days to get it done, blah, blah, blah. And it sets off this season three finale of them opening up their own shop, which which is how we begin season four. But at this point, they're just conceiving the idea. And there's so much in this scene, in this, like, whatever it is, two or three minute scene, Burt Cooper and Roger Sterling and Don Draper and, and Lane Price conceiving this, hatching this this crazy plot. But it obviously it works and it, it kicks off the, <clears throat> excuse me, kicks off the scene. And Lane's originally against it, you'll remember. And he's like, oh, there's nothing to, you know, vengeance isn't going to get us anywhere. <laughs> and Cooper's line is, oh, nonsense will make you a partner. <laughs> that, kind of, that, ends, that ends that discussion. So there's so much of this snappy kind of dialogue and lines and back and forth. But it leads you to this, you know, we talk about surprising and inevitable. Surprising, nobody was thinking of this. The, the audience was in no no way, shape or form prepared for this. Yet by the time they're done, this this little round robin discussion that they have – it sounds completely inevitable and makes perfect sense that this is what they're going to do. They take a little vote. They <laughs> they raise their hands. And uh, there you go. A, a new agency is born. Lane fires everyone. Good stuff. Well, gentlemen. I suppose you're fired. Well, it's official. Friday, December 13th, 1963. Four guys shot their own legs off. All right, number six. 
Don finds enlightenment on the mountain. Cut to Coke commercial. Much has been said about the validity of, well, not even the validity. The, the question was, was this genuinely inspired or was this um, pure cynicism? Like he found his way away from Esalen and ultimately into the arms of McCann. Uh, and I can link to this for sure. And, you know, we'll talk about it again at the end, at the very end of our, our entire podcast. Yeah. Um, I absolutely believed that Don found his enlightenment, that that was a genuinely inspired moment. And mm. what I know about enlightenment, what I know about big spiritual openings that just rock you is, you know, most people don't stay on the mountain, right? Most people come back and, and, and incorporate that into their lives. You're never divorced from, from your humanity, from your human nature, from the automaticness of our brains that has us do stuff that isn't in line with our enlightened selves. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a practice you either take on of re-remembering and recommitting, or it isn't. But the first dispute is, was this pure cynicism or was this pure enlightenment? And I think that's an unfair choice. Well, when you when you work in a cynical industry, those two things are not necessarily different. Pure, pure inspiration in a cynical industry like advertising might yield a purely cynical ad or result or a piece of work. They're not mutually exclusive. At They're all. not mutually exclusive. And Don Draper found himself on that mountaintop. And who himself is, is a great ad man. Don Draper is the greatest ad man <laughs> in the history of the world. And an, an, enlightened, an enlightened Don Draper is just going to create great ads. And that, that's what he does. And we see him getting off track and coming back to advertising. Don keeps threatening to not come back to advertising, but he does. And what's this other than a, a longer, perhaps more elaborate version of the jet set where he flees and comes back? So I, to me, that's perfectly in line. It's perfectly um, consistent with the character. It's who he is, is how he operates. We, we have all the evidence we need, we need for the fact that, A, yes, it is the Coke ad that he's, <laughs> that he's inspired to create. All these little clues, you know, sprinkled about. But – but no, that, that's what an enlightened Don Draper does, is create great ads. And if that makes it cynical, then he's not judging that, but he's he's there to create great ads. It's either that or become the cult leader on uh, Kimmy Schmidt, you know? Yeah, either one. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and that's, this is what humans do, right? Humans going to human. Number five. Guy McKittrick gets his leg snapped off by a lawnmower in... Guy walks into an advertising agency. First of all, the title. This is probably my favorite title. Shut the door, have a seat. And this are my favorite titles of Mad Men episodes because <clears throat> it's it's a stupid joke set up, obviously. Um, but there's a little pun in there because the guy's named Guy. Uh, and there's another pun because it says walk, but he doesn't walk out of the agency. He walks into the agency. <laughs> um, but no, this is this was the shocker of shockers. It had a lot of the uh, the JFK imagery in that scene as well but just the the whole thing the whole setup with the lawnmower in the office and ken costco freaking in the account lois and lois who you know <laughs> has other other abilities perhaps but being in advertising is not one of them or driving lawnmowers <laughs> it was an instant an instant gif an instant gif of blood splattering so yeah it just has to be on this list it's it's 
shocking and funny and like everything else it's the responses to it that kind of make it work so well from the shock and horror to the aftermath to just just everything so um good stuff guy mckittrick's foot still hopping around somewhere at sterling cooper okay number four in babylon the scene where they're all at the gaslight which is the I always say I always say hippie, right? But it's not hippie yet. It's uh, it's early sixties. It's the uh, it's beats. West Village. It's beat. yeah. yeah, it's well. There's not even the West Village isn't even the. There's no. It's just the. It's just Greenwich Village. West uh, West and East all came is <laughs> mu- all much more recent. Um, down in Greenwich Village. But there really was a gaslight. That was a real club. Oh, absolutely! And that beautiful uh, song, uh, "The Rivers of Babylon." Yeah. Into the montage. But it's it's going back to we can break this into categories and Mad Men takes you places you don't expect to be. Now, again, I will say with almost no apology, I have favoritism for season one. I do, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but it's just not hard. It's not hard. And that and that episode is perfection. And that scene is perfection. And that song is stunning. And, you know, and it was what it was one of the first times you really got that that sense of of, oh, my goodness, we can go, we can, we can go anywhere and and be moved and yeah. Well, that scene also starts with Roy and Don kind of having a pissing contest. Yes, taking shots back and forth. Right? You know, what do you do? I blow up bridges. It's it was <laughs> very sharp and and cute and funny. And then and then everyone kind of settles in and we get this and that leads to that montage, which is breathtaking to this day. No question. Yeah. Number three. All right, staying in season one, you know we've talked we talked about it quite a bit when we had um, our discussion of the hobo code and the conversation with Don and the hobo. Can't can't to me there is no list uh, of of great scenes without talking about this because it's the touch point for Don. Just about everything we can say about Don, and we've we've covered a lot of range here just on this list, right? He's up on the mountain at Esalen. It all points back to the hobo. Everything with that hobo mm-hmm. and the chalk and the and the and the and the fence post, um, it all goes back to that. He that hobo gave Don a code of some kind. He gave him a a a a, a, a way to live in in a sense that we could it could be four seasons, it could be seven seasons, it could be twenty seasons. It would still all connect back to that conversation. Okay, Roberta, number two. You know, I love a party. You know, I love an on-screen party. You know, Mad Men has a lot of parties. And again, the math, the math on this, the uh, the measurability of this. Oh, please! But certainly, as memorable moments go, as a legitimate water cooler moment, I remember <laughs> talking about this the next day, and it was already going viral. Zuby zuby zoo. <laughs> The episode was A Little Kiss, which was a two-parter season opener of season five. We were getting to know Megan, but we didn't know her like this. <laughs> I think Don didn't know her like this. It was a, it was a, without all of the context around it and how it was affecting Don and everybody seeing it, it just was stunning on its own. But mm-hmm. then there was all this layers right. of what the, you know, what the fuck is this marriage and who are these people and all that. <laughs> and I mean, it was just, the song was just, you couldn't get it out of your head. You still can't. Right. 
I right. defy you to get it out of your head. This is the same guy that a couple of years before didn't want his wife, you know, parading around in a bikini that she bought at the country club. And now it's, uh, you know, now it's a, a, a living room full of f- f- friends watching his wife. <laughs> Talk about not reading the room. I mean, she yeah. was like, Don, this, you're going to, Don's going to love this. Right. Sure. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> that is funny. Thank you. Thank you all for coming. Uh, I think we should call it a night. Absolutely not, Don. You say that. Did you buy him a pony? Un, deux, trois, quatre. Little drum roll. And Dan, number one. Number one is the Kodak pitch. Don in front of these two nudniks from Kodak. By the time he gets there, though, he has uh, really internalized this whole pitch. Listen, it's what the whole show is about, right? It's about how you synthesize your lived experience with your work. It's it's also why Don finding uh, enlightenment on the mountain, which brings him back to the perfect ad, is is the perf- is you know is this wonderful way to end the series when this is how we end the beginning of the series, right? And how we ended how we ended what could have been a one season show. It's completely consistent with the characters. The characters, while they change and grow and do all these other things, their core has not changed, and Don's core certainly has not changed. So, correct. There is a straight line, as we say, from everything Don does to the hobo scene, mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of Don's inspiration or Don's ability to. Um, turn real life into phenomenal creative work, um, there is a straight line from from this pitch to the Coca-Cola ad and the rest of Don's career, I'm sure. We, it does not end with that. We can we can be sure of that. So yeah, the Kodak pitch at the end of season one is uh, really just one of those amazing moments. Men are crying. They're running out of the room. There's a whole, it's like a whole opera in there. That's our list, Roberta. What do you think? So just to review, just to bang them out. Number 10, Betty and Glenn, I'm so sad from The Wheel. Number nine, breaking in to see the Rothko in Gold Violin. Number eight, Don and Peggy, that's what the money is for, their fight in the suitcase. Number seven, Lane fires everybody. Shut the door, have a seat. Number six, Don on the mountain, person to person. Number five, Guy McKittrick gets his foot chopped off and Guy walks into an advertising agency. God, that was talk about your water cooler talk. Uh, number four, Babylon and the Gaslight. Number three, Don talks to the hobo in the hobo code. Number two, a little kiss. Zuby, zuby, zuby. And number one is the Kodak pitch from the wheel. Number one madman scene of all time. We've determined. Of all television. Case closed. That's right. Some honorable mentions. These are better than the top 10, the honorable mentions, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I don't even have a Rachel Menken scene. There is no Rachel Menken scene in the top 10, but there should be. In Smoke It's In Your Eyes, her first scene, her first scene would... would I mean, every scene, I just, I I love her so much. This place really runs on charm, Roger. Love her so much. Other honorable mentions. I love a party, and I already talked about it this year, is election night party 1960 in Nixon versus Kennedy. It's just... It's again, it's not really one scene, it's several scenes, but it's it's just the best. Don Draper takes his children to see his old house. That's just yeah. one of those gut punch emotional payoffs. We need those emotional payoffs in Mad Men because 
of all the shittiness that <laughs> Don's, Don's Richard Pryor episode, I always call it. Um, but you know, there was so many. There was that. There was that Christmas party at Sterling Cooper Draper Price, the new office that they mm. have to put on a good face for for Lee Garner Jr. That that was great, Mr. Campbell. Mr. Campbell, who cares? We we could have talked about that scene. Don and Joan have a drink. Yeah, that was in the bar. That was uh, later on in this in the series. You know, back to season one. Don and Adam. Adam comes to see Don. Don tries to pay him off and talks about his life only moving forward, which I think is actually kind of the the tale to the to the other side of the coin of of when Don and Peggy talk about her pregnancy and giving birth when. Don says to her, this never happened. It's it's a bit of a callback to his his failed relationship with Adam, actually. Certainly Betty learning about Don's past, which we're going to be covering very soon. When Jimmy Barrett kind of lays it on Don, tells him he's garbage at the store club. That's a pretty memorable scene. I love that scene in the boardroom when Duck completely shits the bed and <laughs> Don <laughs> announces to him that he doesn't have a contract and therefore does not have to say with the agency that Duck will be leading. Great one. Peggy smokes the marijuana. Oh, good one. Don and Conrad Hilton sharing an old-fashioned at the bar right. in, I the, mean, in the country club. My old Kentucky home has a lot of great... There's a dance oh, There's God. a dance sequence. There's Roger, Charleston. Roger and Blackface. We have so much to cover of this show yet to yeah, come. a lot of ground. <laughs> Big range. Listen, we love it. We love talking about it. We love hearing your thoughts on on the social. So please uh, share us any that we surely missed on this episode, but um, it's fun. It's fun uh, getting to know everyone. It's fun putting this together. A quick shout out to Roberta Lip, who gets every guest and puts every episode together virtually on her own. It's, it's phenomenal. So we look forward to, we look forward to doing the rest of the season with you. Dan puts up with me. All well, that's true through, too. Through much of 2020, <laughs> listen. The, the really though, have a safe and healthy New Year. Um, I have a lot of people out there recovering from COVID and recovering from other things. Um, I know a lot of people have lost people this year. This has not been fun, and we're doing this ridiculous, you know, entertaining podcast because it's what people do and we hope we thank you for for being interested in it and for helping us stay sane during not the sanest of times be well be safe happy new year we will see you in 21 If you're enjoying our show, please give us a glowing review on Apple Podcasts and share the show on social media. And if you're able to support us, you can subscribe at patreon.com slash they coined it. We've got some extra content there for you. We love hearing from our listeners. You can send your thoughts or questions to questions at tcimadmenpod.com or check in with us on Twitter and Instagram at tcimadmenpod. We're just at the beginning. We can't wait to discuss more Mad Men with you and continue bringing in special guests. Thank you so much, and we'll see you on the next episode.